This is a Federal News Network podcast. The local in locality pay used to mean locales here in the United States. But the federal government has lots of employees overseas, and now, thanks to the most recent National Defense Authorization Bill, some of them will get locality pay, too. A few hundred, at least, who are in the Domestic Employees Teleworking Overseas, or DETO, program. Most of them are State Department employees, but there are a handful of DETOs at other agencies. Joining me with details, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman and Drew Friedman. And Drew, you have you and Jory have both been reporting on this. Drew, we'll start with you. How long has this been on Congress's agenda, why now in 2023, and what does it specifically do, that provision? So this is something that was introduced first as a standalone bill last year by Texas Representative Joaquin Castro. It's called the Civil Service Federal Employees Serving Overseas Pay Equity Act, which is a bit of a mouthful, but ultimately it gained bipartisan support, was put in the NDAA, as you said, and it impacts 265 current employees, mostly these... That's it? (laughs) Yeah, it's a couple hundred, but this program is one that has grown a lot in just the past couple of years. It's mostly spouses of military members and foreign service officers who get stationed overseas. Prior to the legislation, these employees who were teleworking at agencies had no locality pay. So what the act does is create a locality pay equivalent for these dettos. It would be either what they would have been paid in the U.S. or what a member of the Foreign Service at an equivalent level is paid. It's the lesser of those two options. You mentioned spouses. So that means that the State Department, just for clarification, often employs spouses of its own employees at the State Department to help them with employment and fulfillment while they are overseas. That's right. And so most of the employees in the program are part of State Department, but any agency can set up its own DETO program for people working overseas. And this is for teleworking. Suppose you're stationed at the embassy, then you can't get this locality pay? You couldn't, but with the NDAA now, you would be able to under that change. All right. Well, it's expensive in Europe. A cup of coffee, six euros over there in some of those cities. So I guess it makes sense. Jory, how does this fix unemployment for foreign service families? That's been a perennial issue for the State Department. This is an issue that is common to military families and foreign service families. The through line there is that they're always on the move. And so it's hard to hold a job if you're moving every two or three years to a different post overseas. And that's compounded by the fact that these are new countries and it's hard to get a work visa if you're an American in some instances, especially if you're moving so much. And so this really shows through in the data, 58% of foreign service family members living overseas are unemployed. And About 17% of those who are employed, they are not working within the State Department Foreign Service mission. They're doing other things. They're teleworking for private companies. And by the numbers here, we're looking at 265 Foreign Service family members being debt toes, and 764 are teleworking for private sector firms. Got it. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman and Drew Friedman. And Drew, two questions. Is the locality pay just one locale for everyone that's overseas. And what is the pay gap exactly, do they feel? Yeah, that's a good question. So the locality pay, it depends on where the detto is either either stationed, where they were stationed in the U.S. initially, that locality pay would then be transferred to, to them, or it would be the uh, Foreign Service equivalent 
So 90% of Dedos at the State Department were working in the D.C. area before they went overseas. So a lot of these people in the program are going to be getting D.C. locality pay. That's currently at 32.49% this year. So, oh, so not a small number. No, it's it's pretty significant. It's on the upper end of the locality pay, which ranges from about 16 to a little over 30%. That means you could be in North Africa and get Marin County pay. Right. So it's it's a significant difference. For example, a GS-13 Step 1 who's living in Washington, D.C. versus someone in that same grade and step who moves overseas and therefore was previously not getting locality pay – that could amount to a $25,000 difference in base salary. So it is quite significant. And Dedos have also argued that over time that can cause an exponential difference in retirement savings, too. Sure. And that's an awful lot of six-euro cups of coffee, I suppose, too. And, Jory, do you think this fixes some of the outstanding morale problems that have plagued Dedos and especially State Department for a long time? Yeah, this is definitely not just a nice-to-have, feel-good type issue. This does have deep roots in the Foreign Service morale, and this is something that's been tracked by the American Foreign Service Association. They did a 2021 retention survey of Foreign Service officers who leave before hitting retirement age. And the number one issue that they found in that survey is that family issues were the number one reason why people left early. And doing the interviews with those people, going deeper onto those family issues, it's the very thing that we're talking about, that spouses who had successful careers stateside when they did this foreign service lifestyle change were were uprooted and were not able to find work, telework or otherwise. And So this is something that they brought to the attention of Congress. This is something that they brought to the attention of the State Department. And this feeds into a larger morale issue at the State Department overall, that they have had a pretty significant decrease in overall satisfaction in the best places to work survey. We're talking about a 10% decrease over the last decade. Well, you know what they say, a pat on the back without a showing of the green doesn't do much. But when you add both together, then you have a morale increase perhaps too. And Drew, any reaction so far from the debt toes themselves, for example? What do they say? They are really feeling like, I guess, this is a sigh of relief. It's something that they've been advocating for for over a year now. And now that it's being enacted, it's it's going to mean a lot to them, I think. You know, the Dedo program they see as something that is a benefit. It's a huge positive to these spouses because they get to have career stability, use their professional skills, and continue their careers overseas when they are stationed there. And agencies on the flip side get to hold on to those employees as well. So it's, it's really a benefit on both ends. And now the locality pay fix is icing on the cake. It's going to mean that they're hoping the program can now expand further, more employee satisfaction, recruitment and retention at all these agencies. Because there are thousands of federal employees overseas if you add everybody up. Right. It's a lot. And, you know, the 265 number, that is something, as I said, it's almost tripled from 100 people two years ago. So I think with just the increased role of telework at agencies and at the State Department, it's just going to continue increasing, and I think the locality pay will will add to that as well. And, Jory, I imagine a good reaction from the State Department also. Yeah, they've reacted pretty favorably to this passing as part of the NDAA, and this really does fit into something we've been tracking government-wide here since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Agencies have been casting a wider net through remote work and telework to places outside of D.C., places outside of most metro areas, and this is that on steroids, basically, them casting a net internationally to these professionals who are, you know, living overseas and in some cases 
are having trouble getting employment in any way, shape, or form, this is a really untapped market for that potential. And this is something that has been on the State Department's radar for a while. I had an interview with Marsha Bernicat, the Director General of the Foreign Service and the Director of the Global Talent Management Bureau last summer, and she was saying that this is a great opportunity, the Detto program, to do just this, to tap into this untapped market of professionals. People who are working here in the department in our civil service capacity, if they're accompanying a family member overseas, may be able to continue the same work, but as a Detto. So we don't lose continuity. We don't lose their expertise while they're overseas, and they continue to be a productive active employee. All right. So the government has paid its debt to the debtos. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman and Drew Friedman. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. And be sure to check out their story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in direct care. And and I will say, and on I obviously will say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really um, you know we we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought, well, you know, I'll take a look at it and see, see you know, throw uh, send in my information, and lo and behold, I I, I get hired, and um, I learn uh, every day almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom and comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by always happy, always enthused, uh, has a, has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, often when you'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out and come on, you know, like, look at, look at Terrell, like he, he, he faces everything with optimism. And, and, and I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, 
you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that, uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working the Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so. Uh, joyful and and uh, I mean we work hard and you know we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day but uh man you see it, it and 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 the inclusion and the at special olympics no one's excluded you know no, right. no one's excluded everyone yeah. is equal at special olympics it, and you know in a country that's quite divided on so many lines politically and uh, socially uh, economically race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot, but you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved, everyone's welcome, everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics and experienced the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials. Uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age. It's, it's, uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or, uh, year old, uh, folks, uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together, uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think when you, when you go back to the, founding uh, of our organization what mrs Tri mrs shriver was trying to do uh was to to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities and you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together we still have traditional uh teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh teams all intellectual disabilities but this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot i think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh others with intellectual disabilities that's just like i mean that's what we 
that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences. And that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.